Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG Out Loud. I'm ESG Clarity Deputy Editor Natasha Turner and today I'm joined by UK Sustainable Investment and Finance Association CEO James Alexander. It's great to have you with us today, James. Great to be here, Natasha. Thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, so first, let's just start with how it's, how it's all going. I mean, you joined a CEO in October last year. So how's everything been? What, what have you been up to? Well, it's been, it's been a roller coaster six months. I can barely believe it's been six months that I've been here already. And uh, and just the amount that's going on in this space is unbelievable. And to, to see, you know, how, how much our members are driving forward um, uh, on, on sustainable finance, whether it's um, new initiatives around, of course, net zero, which from, you know, we've been hearing a huge amount about. Loads of UXIF members are, are, are committing to net zero targets, both from the pension fund side, the asset managers um, and others. Um, we're also seeing, you know, huge, huge developments in other areas. Is the social side of things is really advancing. And um, so just a few weeks ago, we had a webinar on modern day slavery, which you know I found absolutely fascinating. And you know, these are the sorts of issues that the UXIF members, that investors are taking forward um, and having a really huge impact in. Um, and I think, you know, on top of that, we're seeing changes in what's happening in government. We're seeing, you know, new announcements around all sorts of um, positive developments on climate and, uh, and on kind of leadership in other ways, um, as well as, of course, uh, you know, the sustainable finance disclosure regs and others coming out of Europe. So, so, you know, there is just so much happening right now in this space. I mean, I think, you know, everybody I speak to is saying, how much sustainable finance, sustainable investment has moved and changed in just the last 18 months or so. Um, and that's certainly what I'm seeing. The pace of change is absolutely enormous. And it's exciting. It's a really amazing time to be, to be working in this space. Um, and, and, and I think what investors are increasingly realizing um, is that they are able to have an impact on some of these big trends, these big challenges that we're facing in the world. That the, the, There is a you know, something that investors can do about this and, and, and ways of working together and learning about these issues and, you know, coming together through organizations like OXIF um, is, is, you know, what's having a, a, a really positive impact. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, my next question was actually going to be what some of your members' main concerns are, but you, you've sort of gone over um, quite a few there. I guess maybe could you pick one of those and um, maybe go into a bit more detail about what members really want to know about it just you know for our listeners who might be um members themselves or even aware of of some of these issues what are the what are the key actual concerns say around modern slavery or or any of the things you mentioned so i think almost every conversation we have with a member at some point touches on net zero Um, and and of course the this this global drive towards net zero we know that that, that it's essential that we hit that by 2050. I think we also know, and the UN has you know, recently reiterated, that, that the world is not on track for hitting net zero. Um, and this is something that concerns OXIF greatly, it concerns our members, um, and, and so something that we want, to, we want to attack and we want to address. I think that you know, we're seeing amazing new commitments coming through organizations um, uh, like the Net Zero Asset Managers Alliance, the Net Zero Asset Owners um, Groups, that are that are driving collective and, and, and engagement across across the sector and and you know in Oxif we're doing our little bit in the UK to, to support our members that are that are working on this one of our most well attended events that we've had recently was a um, presentation from some asset managers on their approaches to, to net zero and how they're moving forward and I think what's really exciting is that we're not you know we're not just looking at net zero as being a divestment campaign that's not what this is about for us net zero is about 
actually having a real impact across the you know across the real economy and making that change in in in, in the real world so to speak so it's not just a case of saying well the easiest way of making my portfolio net zero is by selling off the high polluting assets and investing in in other things like maybe tech stocks that's not that's not going to make the change in, in the real world what will make the change is having that active investor engagement with companies that, that are in the portfolio and saying okay how are you going to be transitioning towards the net zero future how does your business you know this 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 organization that we have an investment in remain viable in a net zero world and remain an active contributor to getting us to a net zero world um, and that's the really exciting investor engagement piece that we're starting to see. And, and, and members are talking about this a lot um, and talking about ways to do this, techniques, approaches, but also, you know, what happens if that engagement fails? How do you how do you make a judgment call on whether that engagement, you know, and, and whether that company in your portfolio presents at some point too great a risk to be in your portfolio because it's not going to make the transition in time for 2050. So, you know, these are these are some of the exciting conversations that are going on at the moment. And, you know, net zero really is one of those um, one of those important areas. Um, uh, but but it's not by, by far from the only thing that we're discussing. And um, the social side of things, I think, has really taken a prominence recently, too. Um, whether that's looking at biodiversity and nature, um, and we saw the recent Descripto review talking, you know, trying to raise the profile of just how much of a problem we've got when it comes to biodiversity and how many species are disappearing and how few, you know, how much of a problem we've got with, with nature. Um, we're seeing uh, issues around, uh, I mentioned earlier, modern day slavery, um, the fact that there are thought to be 40 million people in some form of slavery somewhere in the world, and almost every company has got slavery somewhere in their supply chain. Um, we're seeing issues around the just transition and, and, and where people jobs are going to go as we transition towards um, towards uh, uh, the future of, of net zero. Um, and of course, we're looking at COVID and the COVID recovery um, and this, this kind of mantra of build back better. You know, what does that mean? What does it mean to, to build back better? Well, how can we create you know, better new jobs in a, in a stronger economy that is more resilient, that's more sustainable? Um, and, and that's fairer in the future. So these are all issues that our that our members care very deeply about. Um, and then just the final the final big one, I suppose, is is, is diversity, inclusion, um, uh, tackling racism, and other and other forms of prejudice. Um, and and again, our members are very interested in that. And there's been a lot of a lot of interest recently, and a lot of publications recently showing um, you know positive, really positive movement in this in this space. Great. So as well as bringing members together um, on these issues, what sort of work does UXIF do? Yeah, so the core, the core of UXIF's approach rests on three, three main pillars. The first is policy influencing um, and the way in which we can share the views of our members uh, and enhance and advance UXIF's mission, which is obviously driving forward sustainable finance um, uh, and, and, and promoting and enhancing UK leadership on sustainable finance. Um, and so we're working a lot with politicians, we're working with regulators, and we're working with the industry itself to, to drive things, to drive this, this agenda forward, um, to, to really relay and be very active about passing on the views of our members, which is the, the broad, in the broader sense, the sustainable finance community, whether that's banks, asset managers, uh, asset owners and pension funds, but also data and research providers, financial advisors, even some not-for-profits are part of UXIF. So we represent this big community that's touching sustainable finance in some way. Um, and so our view is to, our, our approach is to pass on 
the message from that, that sector. Um, and, and this year we're being much more proactive than ever before in our policy making. Um, and in a few weeks time to mark our 30th anniversary, which is an amazing milestone that we're, that we're reaching, um, we're gonna be publishing a new policy vision, um, which will highlight and, and you know, the views of the sustainable finance industry on how we can achieve some of the targets, both environmental and social that we're looking for, and gives new messages to government and regulators on how to do that. So that's, that's the first pillar is influencing policy. Um, as you mentioned, we have a lot of events. Um, this year we're having uh, around about 30 different events now, whether that ranges from our monthly webinar series um, or our flagship conferences and events or through things, things like our Good Money Week. Um, we, we bring our members together to share knowledge. Um, and so um, we're, we're constantly taking the pulse of our members on where there are knowledge gaps, where there's information requirements, um, and also where there's great practice um, that our members are developing and, 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 are, and are enacting. Um, and we encourage our members to share that practice to, and to learn from others uh, on their experiences. Um, and, 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 and specifically, you know, we're about impact. We're about making, making a difference um, in, for our members and changing the way that they, or helping them change the way they operate. Um, and so every event is measured, not just on whether it was a good event, but, but whether that event led to things happening differently, whether our members learned something new that they're able to immediately uh, um, bring into their, their practice in their, in their institution. Um, and then the third core pillar is, is connecting this community. We have this extraordinary community of people across the UK and, and organizations across the UK that are working on sustainable finance. Um, the more we're able to bring people together, the more we're able to share connections and experiences between our members, um, the further and faster we can move as an industry. Um, and so, of course, COVID has been a huge challenge for that, bringing the community together, but we're doing our best um, with a lot of member roundtables and, and other events. Um, and we're hopeful that soon we can get back to real life so that we can uh, you know, have people coming together physically um, uh, in order to share experiences and, and network with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's a very comprehensive view about what you do then. I was gonna ask you about the policy paper, actually, if we can go back to that. Um, I know it's coming out in a few weeks and so you might not be able to share many details, but uh, what should what can people look out for in that? Just if you can give a bit more possible. Absolutely, so this, this is, you know, this is possibly the biggest member consultation exercise that ARCSIF's undertaken. Over the last three months, we've engaged more than 100 of our members um, in a series of different policy sessions focusing on different aspects of sustainable finance policy. Now, whether that includes the drive to net zero, whether it includes building a green economy, we're also looking at um, issues of diversity and inclusion. We're looking at how we can use um, Britain's development aid to, to, to support other countries in their transition to net zero. Um, uh, we, we're of course looking at social issues and, and, and um, the just transition as well. So, so there's different chapters focusing on different, uh, different policy areas, um, each proposing a series of recommendations for what the government and um, regulators should be doing differently. And actually also looking slightly inward at how the sector should, should, um, should adjust and adapt um, and things that the um, sustainable, uh, sustainable finance industry needs to do differently as well. So, so it's taking a very comprehensive view. It's truly reflective of, of the views of our members at the moment. And, um, you know, and, and, and we believe it's a really exciting moment to, you know, to, to, to encourage the government to take that next step of leadership with COP26 this year, with the presidency of the G7, the government has this amazing opportunity to be promoting and, and, and showing to the world how we can move forward and, and hit these targets that we've set, um, whether that's the Paris Agreement, whether that's the Sustainable Development Goals or, or other targets. Um, 
and so we want the government to use that leadership position to, to encourage the world to take action and to take more action and to, and to help us hit these targets. Um, and so by, by, adapt, uh, by you know, adopting some of these policies, the, the UK government could really drive us forward um, uh, and, and, and pre pre present an example for the rest of the world. And I think that, that, that one of the key things is there is a great prize of the UK being a leader in this space. We know that other countries around the world are considering how they can make their finance system more sustainable, are considering how they can create the investment drive towards sustain a sustainable future. Um, and we want them to look to Britain as one of the leading places where this work is happening, where we've got some of the most um, you know, amazing innovative companies, um, where we've got some of the best skills and the best, you know, the best people working on this, um, and where the government is supporting the industry and supporting the regulation that, that, that can drive the industry forward to that sustainable future. So the whole thing comes together as a whole, and the prize for being a leading country in this space is absolutely enormous. And that's the message we're trying to put across with the policy vision. And there's obviously, you feel there's a need, and your members feel like that there is a need to put a policy visions to the government. Does that mean that they are not on track to be reaching the goals? Or that do they need to be, is there some urgency to be adopting the things that you're going to be suggesting? I mean, certainly we know that the world is not on track to meet the, to meet the 2050 goals. Um, uh, you know, the UK has set possibly one of the, the furthest reaching um, uh, climate targets of any country um, and was one of the first, I think the first uh, um, developed country to, to, to set a net zero target in law, which is fantastic. And that leadership must be built on um, because now we've got the point where we've got the, um, the government's um, green industrial revolution plan. Um, well, it's a green industrial revolution vision. And I think what we want to see is for that to turn into, from a vision into a plan. Um, you know, what sectors are going to be are going to be the drivers of that how are we how are we going to do things like get around how are we going to heat our homes in 2050 and the answers to those questions are really important to help investors as signals for investors to to to, to make the investments now that will drive us towards that future um, we're seeing the uk creating a national infrastructure bank for example and um, we were pushed with a number of organizations really hard to make that a, a net zero bank and that's pretty much what the chancellor announced uh, a few weeks ago and um, that's great stuff but I think there is, this is such a huge transition. There is so much to do. Um, every industry sector needs to be involved. The government needs to put it at the core of every decision. Um, and, uh, and, and it needs to be in the DNA of every government department that, that how does what we do today help us get to a net zero future? Um, and, uh, and, and I think there's, there's a lot of work to do. You know, I think, I think setting the target is absolutely the right first step, but it can only be the first step. There has to be much more work behind it. Um, and, 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 you know, as I mentioned, the, the world as a whole is not on track for this. Um, so the UK needs to be supporting other countries as well um, and, and making this a, a truly global agenda. Um, and that's just on climate. When we look at social issues, there's there's a whole lot of other things that we need to be working on um, in the UK and globally as well. So so you know every every part of the country, whether that includes the finance industry, whether that includes the real economy and the government, need to be working together. Um, and I think the policy vision is also a recognition that Arctic has been quite successful in our policy campaigns in the past. We've, we've been pushing for a long time for um, TCFD and risk climate risk disclosures being implemented across the economy. That's now happening. We've been pushing for um, for a national infrastructure bank uh, focused on, on, on net zero. That's now happening. We've been pushing for green gills. That's happening. You know, there's loads of things that are happening, whether it comes to pensions or investments or regulation that are now that are now moving forwards and things we've been pushing forward for a very long time. Um, and, and so this policy is about refreshing what we're calling for because we can't we can't pretend that we're done 
you know, we, we've got so much more that needs to happen in the UK and globally. Um, uh, and that's why we that's why we, 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 we're publishing this vision. And that's why we want to work with the government to enact. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, you mentioned pensions just there. We've seen recently uh, TPR's new climate strategy, which, which seemed to be quite well received. What did you make of, of that? So we've we've only just started um, reviewing the TPR climate strategy. The, I mean, I think the first thing is that the TPR produced their new corporate strategy a few uh, about a month ago, um, which didn't have very much reference to climate change. Something that we flagged um, in our response. Um, and 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 credit to TPR, they they took that on board and 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 put a lot more references to climate change in their in their broader corporate strategy, and have now published this climate change strategy, which we absolutely welcome. It's so important that the regulators are. Are part of this. I think, you know, there there are there's talk in the strategy of being a bit firmer on um, funds that are not producing their TCFD um, uh, risk reporting, um, that are, that are not publishing their statement of investment principles or incorporating how they are um, uh, addressing issues around sustainability in their in their statements of investment principles. This is all good stuff. This is important. Um, you know, it can't just be left to those to those leading pension funds um, of which many of us have members to be to be driving this forward. Every pension fund must be focusing on this. Um, and it comes back to that: climate change needs to be part of the DNA of pretty much every decision that we that we're making. Um, and 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 the same must be true for for a lot of pension funds as well. I think what I think what we need now is a bit more. Uh, a, a bit more continued pressure from the regulator to sort of really highlight and promote the fact that, that climate change has got to be a key decision um, uh, metric um, for, for, for investments, that it's got to be something that's considered. One of our members said the other day in, in one of our policy consultations, you know, their, their quote was, net zero is an inevitability. And when something is an inevitability, it of course has to be part of your fiduciary duties and considered as part of your investment decision making. And um, you know, and I think there's there's a lot, there's a strong feeling from our membership now that, that the drive to net zero, which of course is written in law, is is now beginning to happen. Is you know, there's a degree of inevitability there. Um, obviously, we hope that that comes around the deadline that we need it to come. Whether it comes, you know, if it comes after, that's going to be a challenge. But but nevertheless, the drive is there and the movement is there. Um, and I think that that does change. How people need to look at their investments and consider the risks of their investments. And if you know, if you've got a business that's perfectly viable in a high carbon economy, is it still viable in a low carbon economy? And so, therefore, is it is it right to be part of your portfolio? Is it right, or, or do you actually need to do some active engagement to transition that company into a useful contributor to a low carbon society? That's 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 the challenge. I think that any investor's got to face right now, and pension funds are no different. So on the Regulation side of things, we've uh, had SFDR implemented in the EU. Uh, is presumably this is a big concern for your members as well here in the UK? Absolutely, our members are, are looking extremely closely at what's, what's happening in Europe, um, and and is it, our members have gone a bit on. A, I feel a bit of a journey on this in the last few months as well. I mean, this, the starting point was, you know, pretty much that we should implement roughly. You know, an exact copy of what's happening in Europe, whether that's the taxonomy or the SFDR, and actually, of course, remembering that the UK was heavily involved in the development of those processes anyway when we were part of the EU, um, and many UK-based um, uh, people were part of the technical expert groups that, that helped create those those projects. Um, I think what's happened though is is that as these the, the particularly the SFDR has been implemented, um, it's been realised that that it's not as perfect as it as it could be, and for those members. That you know, many of whom are members of Arcsif. That for those institutions that 
are real leaders in this space who are at the very top end of Article 8, which is where everybody seems to be landing. Now, I think I think the original idea was that Article 8 would still be quite exclusive, um, uh, but but everybody's fallen, seems, seems to have moved their thumbs into Article 8. Um, but it's a very, very broad um, description and range between Article 8 and Article 9. Um, many of our members are finding themselves at the top end of Article 8, which is fantastic. They're doing some great stuff. But I think what, what the challenge is, is that if you're just choosing a, a fund manager based on whether their funds are Article 8 or not, then you, you potentially create a competitive disadvantage for those real leaders at the top end of Article 8. And so one of the things we're thinking about is, well, is there a way for the UK to implement something similar to the SFDR that crucially, and this is crucial for our members, allows our, our UK-based members to remain compatible with what's happening in Europe, because there's lots and lots of sales going across the border uh, into Europe, um, but also allows a bit more nuance in the UK space. So can Article 8 equivalent for the UK be split up into perhaps more than one segment um, so that you can be um, you know, doing the bare minimum, compatible with the EU Article 8, or demonstrating that you are doing more, you're doing something more, more stronger, you're doing something um, that's going to have a bigger impact, um, and so be Article 8 plus or Article 8B um, uh, in, in terms of the UK equivalent. And I think that is something that our members are really keen to see um, and to start thinking about. And the same is true for the taxonomy. Um, in the short term, we want to remain compatible with the, with the EU's taxonomy, but we're also aware that other countries are developing a taxon of taxonomies of their own. And one of our actually nightmare scenarios is if every single country in the world ends up creating a taxonomy that's different from one another. Um, and so we would like to see really strong global coordination to try and bring and align particularly the definitions together um, and these taxonomies together. Um, I, think, I think we're going to really struggle to move forwards as a global industry um, if each country has slightly different and slightly nuanced definitions. Um, and so for the UK, how can we be out in front on that? How can we, as the UK, start calling and working globally with the networks that the government and others have to start pushing and saying, we need some alignment here, we need some, some consistency, and we need the ability for um, fund managers to operate internationally, um, and therefore apply to a kind of common set of definitions and rules. And I think that's, that's going to be a really, a really big test over the next year or two. Well, jumping around a little bit then, I know you recently um, held a, an ownership day um, can you give us some of the highlights from that? Yeah, so Ownership Day is a, an, an annual event that we, that we host. Um, it's uh, specifically aimed at asset owners and helping asset owners to consider more how they can be more active stewards and how they can you know, in, invest and engage, how they can work with asset managers and how they can put across the views of their members. Um, and so we had some amazing sessions on stewardship. Uh, sessions on voting and of course there's 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 a, a big review going on right now uh, in fact led by my predecessor the, the former chief executive of UXIF Simon Howard um, into voting reforms um, uh, uh, for, for, for pool funds um, uh, we, we looked at the, the future regulatory landscape and we also looked at the the voting season for for um, 2021 and what's happening in the AGMs this year um, and you know, amazing engagement. This is the first time we've done this event remotely um, and we're finding remote events are, are really picking up and, and we had over 200 registrations for this event, which we're absolutely thrilled with. Um, so, you know, engaging a large number of, of people across the sector, across the industry, sharing lots of experience and knowledge um, uh, and, and just having you know, great conversations about what the future of, 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 of 
investment looks like from an asset owner perspective. Um, uh, and, and you know, I think I think one of the big things is going to be voting. Um, um, this this voting review, you know, is going to have potentially quite a big impact. We've seen Guy Opperman, the pensions minister, say that he wants to completely reform the way voting works in pooled funds uh, in the UK. Um, and so this does present some big challenges for, for many of our members, um, uh, both logistical challenges of how to actually make this work um, and, and how to, and, 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 and other challenges in terms of, you know, how to, how to really determine what is it that the end members want to see you voting around um, and how to get that viewpoint across. Um, but I think it comes back to this wider stewardship piece, which, um, which is that stewardship is an, a really, really key tool that investors have um, that is kind of, on some levels, unique to the investment community to be able to influence the, 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 the companies that they're invested in. Um, and so how do we use that stewardship tool to the best effect? There are some amazing initiatives, Climate Action 100 Plus and others that are really focusing on stewardship on, on the global level. Um, you know, how do we embed stewardship regularly? How do we bring our members together to collaborate on stewardship? How do we, how do we get companies to, to make that transition? Um, and, 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 and then how do we look at companies that are, not, that are, lag, that are dragging their feet, that are, that are, that are you know, falling behind in terms of being part of that transition? Um, and what is the role of investors then in, in, in changing that culture and getting those companies to, to do that? Um, we also had a presentation from the Say on Climate campaign um, being led by um, Chris Hone of the Children's Investment um, Fund. Um, and, you know, they were very much sharing some of the successes they've had recently in getting companies to report um, on their emissions plans, on the you know, current emissions and, and plans for their emissions and how they're going to reduce them. Um, you know, again, this is really interesting investor engagement that is causing companies to think differently about how they report and then act on their emissions. Um, and, and it's not just the scope one and scope two, which are the direct emissions of the company. Um, there's a big push now to think about scope three emissions, which is the emissions of the products of that company in use. Now, there are challenges around double counting for investors. There are challenges around how you actually account for this. But, but the bottom line is, for many companies, oil companies, car companies, um, you know, that is the bulk of where their emissions come from is the use of their products um, uh, rather than rather than the creation of those products. And so getting a grip on how those scope three emissions can be reduced um, uh, is, is a really important aspect for investors as well. Yeah, really interesting. Um, on the stewardship point, you know, there's this sort of lack of um, harmonized approach I suppose might be the word um, it's hard to distinguish what a good approach might be or you know if one firm fund manager says I'm engaging this way another says I'm engaging in this way what's better what's working etc now you mentioned there some of the collaborations that are forming with the kind of oversight that you have at UPSIF of how lots of different members are approaching engagement and stewardship what would you say um, not necessarily best practices, but maybe some of the um, ways of, of furthering that, um, those, those tools, I suppose. I think stewardship is one of the, the, the toughest issues um, for regulators to get their heads around. And because it's very easy to say that you're doing something very active with your stewardship when you're, when you're not. Um, and, 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 and likewise, it's not necessarily something that the people want to publish the results of their stewardship or or you know you don't write a press release saying that your stewardship achieved something because you know it's far more nuanced than that and uh, and, and and so it's very can be very hard for for 
people outside the industry or outside the direct conversation to really understand what has been achieved from, from the stewardship. Um, uh, and, and, and therefore, I think there is a degree of cynicism in the kind of wider public about, you know, where the stewardship actually is working. Um, and when people people say, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're actively engaging with this company, whether people think that that just means they go for, for, you know, a posh lunch with the chief exec every now and then and don't really talk about anything, or whether it's actually a full concerted campaign of engagement. And, and what we're seeing in Oxford members, there's, you know, there's some amazing stewardship campaigns that are going on. Um, I'll give you one example. So CCLA, which is one of the one of Oxford's fund management members, um, are doing a really active campaign around modern day slavery. Um, they have hired a team of people um, who are solely there to to, to investigate, um, to research, to understand the modern the modern day slavery issues, um, and and they're absolutely willing to share their learnings with with others um, if anyone wants to get in touch with them. Um, they're working with a charity called Impact, which is a, a specialist charity on issues around modern day slavery um, and they are working to to really understand from their investments um, where there might be concerns and issues around modern day slavery working with company management to understand what first of all to to understand to get them to understand that there that there is a risk that their supply chain might have slavery in it um, second of all to 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 help them to uh, to understand what to do if they find that slavery um it's you know and it's not just a case of you just leave that company immediately you divest and you move somewhere else because slavery is an issue across the economy so you have to tackle it in each company that you're that you're part of and that finds it um and so and so you know this is an example of a of, a, of an investment firm that is taking a specific issue really really seriously working really hard on it and making uh, you know making this uh, a key a key driver of their of their of their stewardship work and and it's having really positive results you know companies are starting to disclose um, and when they're disclosing um you know issues of, of modern day slavery they are then talking about how they're going to put it right how they're going to um make sure this doesn't happen again they're creating new monitoring approaches um and so this is of course slavery is just one example of many different issues that we need to look at and tackle um but i think it's a really good example of how investors are, are you know can and are taking the, these sort of um issues seriously um, and so, and so, you know, I think what this gives us is really positive excitement that um, that that when investors want to do something and want to take it really seriously, they can do and they will do. Um, uh, and I think we need, you know, we need more good practice examples of how investors are doing this. Um, again, this is what Oxif is working to share amongst our members. Um, and uh, and 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 I think I think what we need from from the government side of things is to really think very carefully about. What it means to move towards a financial system that is that is focused around net zero and and, and Paris compliance, um, and and importantly to recognise the key role of stewardship and engagement in that in that work. I think the challenge though is how to make sure that it's good engagement and that it's good stewardship and it's actually driving towards results and not just a cosy chat um, that doesn't that doesn't make anything happen. And I think that is where the challenge is going to come is, is, is how do you differentiate between those different, you know, you know effective stewardship and, 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 and not effective stewardship. Um, and I think, you know, what we want to do is to share the views of industry um, and to bring the government to the table um, so that we can start to have that conversation about how we can have the most effective stewardship, how how that can be perhaps if the, if there is to be regulation around that, how that can be can be put in place, how that can be determined. You know, the UK does have a new stewardship code. We're seeing how that how that rolls out at the moment. Um, uh, 
but 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 I think that's and that and that's that's the kind of level of nuance that we need to get to. Um, there's there's definitely a feeling around many people that having a net zero fund just means divestment. And for us, that's not the case. Um, it's about active stewardship and engagement. But the only way that we can build confidence that that stewardship is, is effective um, is by having a regulatory regime that recognizes it and, and responds to it positively, um, and perhaps probably publishing some, some examples of where stewardship is having a really positive effect. Well, yeah, very exciting then. Lots of exciting things coming up. Just finally then, I guess, um, you know, you've mentioned some of UXIF's goals for the year or some of the main concerns of members. What are your personal uh, sustainable goals for the year or what, what really drives you personally in this, in this career, I suppose? Why we're all here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, great, great question. And what, what drives me personally is knowing the, how big a problem we've got when it comes to climate change. And I think it's a lot of people are ignorant to how serious the problem is. And once you find out how bad the problem is, particularly on climate, but actually on a whole range of other social issues and things like nature and, and jobs and, 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 and uh, uh, discrimination. Once you really look and understand um, how serious the problem is, you can't unknow these things. You, you know, it makes, it's something that, that, that makes me personally feel compelled to do something about it. And, um, and, and, and OXIF is an amazing, amazing organization with an incredible membership that is really keen to act and to play their part. And so, so for me, my, my, my goal is to help UXIF be as effective as possible in helping our members to make, to, to be part of that change, be part of that future that we want to see. Um, and, you know, and that, that plays through in all aspects of, of my life. I'm, I'm buying a, a, a new flat at the moment. It's got a currently a very low energy efficiency rating. Um, my personal view actually is that our mortgage company should have really questioned whether it was an appropriate investment for a really low energy efficiency um, uh, flat, but they didn't. Um, that's something else to consider in for future. But my, 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 my personal plan is to make that into a, an exemplar of how you can retrofit a, a flat and make it a really, um, really energy um, uh, efficient. Um, and, and, and I think you know, that's the sort of thing that I want to play out and have people thinking about across across all aspects of their lives. This is not something that you can pigeonhole into one particular aspect of your life and forget about in others. Um, how people work, how people you know play, how people socialize, every, every, every aspect of people's lives needs to be considered in the framework of how what 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 future are we creating by the actions we're taking today? Um, and that's and that's again the philosophy for Oxif. How how are we helping to create the future that we want to see um, and to to drive towards that? And that's that's what that's what gets me uh, excited and that's what motivates me to to get up in the morning and uh, and, and sit in my spare room because uh, um, uh, of course we no none of us are in our offices at the moment um, and and to 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 you know work the you know that little bit harder. To, to, to support our members and what they're trying to do because you know the ambition is there the motivation is there we can provide a bit of help to, to help members move forwards further and faster um, and that's what we want to do brilliant well thanks very much for uh, talking with us today james no thank you so much for having me really really great to speak to you find us on soundcloud or itunes by searching for esg out loud 